the morning. It's yeah. so incredible. The weather is just... And it's been morning for a long time. <laughs> yes, it, it started is. about 3 o'clock this morning. Good right. morning. Boy, oh boy. It's exciting to have it be so sunny and so early. It doesn't so get dark. No. Uh, well, it, get uh, it dark. might I mean, be dark, but I'm asleep darker, by then. It gets darker, but it's not dark like it is in the wintertime. Oh, boy. When it, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. No, dark. we don't see that at all now, do we? <laughs> no. Okay, this is Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. We're talking to people all over Southeast Alaska. And this is about uh, landscaping and gardening. We welcome your calls. It's an interactive program, 907-586-1800. Gets you to us. Uh, Landscape Alaska is Margaret and mine private nursery business. Hidden away on the back of the Willamette Valley. I mean, the back of the Mendenhall Valley. Where are you? Who are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Up at the top of the hill. You look at our website, you see a map. People call every day and say, where are you? How do I get there? I know. It's confusing. But once you get there, it's so Well, pretty. it's really pretty right now. I'll tell I you mean, what. the views from the nursery site are staggering. And, and the, the nursery, pretty, the nursery is so looks, full of oh. incredible product. And they're coming into bloom. The, the big deciduous azaleas are just opening right now. You can smell them from they're 20 feet away. They're taller than I am. They're beautiful. beautiful. No, they're, Absolutely beautiful. They're almost six feet tall. They're big. Some of those have got to be 30 years old. Oh, yeah. They're lovely. Yeah. So which, that means that it was not the generation that we're doing business with, but the previous generation that planted those things. Or let's just say when we started business, they were babies. There you go. <laughs> so we buy these azaleas from a, from the same family we've been buying rhododendrons from for the last 40 years. Whose great-grandfather used to work for Baron Rothschild in England. There you go. Yep. So it's a straight line from the breeder to the field. These are, these are beautiful big plants. And hardy azaleas are perhaps... Who, Rothschild went to China on his expeditions as a... Victorian gentlemen to gather and collect the seed varieties and, and crossed them with the Native American ones. Yes, and took them back to England and you know made Bred these them up. beautiful, beautiful rhododendrons. Really, and they're not only colorful and fragrant, but the fall color on these shrubs is staggering. They're perhaps the most brilliant fall color of anything we can grow. Now, the variety of azalea which is a type of a rhododendron, but it's not the evergreen rhododendron, uh, that we have is called Klondike. So you can get on the web and look at the color. It's actually an orangey gold. It's a really pretty multi-layers of color that are just coming out. It's really, really pretty. Mm -hmm. We have Klondike, and we also have Gibraltar, which is an oranger hue. We only have a couple of those, though. They're they're pretty and they they're go together pretty. just beautifully. Uh huh. We, and we and we've sold a bunch of the other the red ones and stuff. We've they're sold, gone. They're gone. Uh huh. But uh, please do come and look. You'll be absolutely thrilled. And uh, yesterday the uh, as bare root astilbe arrived. Right. So we'll we plant have, those this week. Uh, so we have uh, amethyst and bridal veil, which is bridal veil is the clear, beautiful white one, and amethyst is. Lavender purple, kind of. It's a it, it's a pastel. And it's, it's tall. It, it's not dark. When you say purple, you always think dark, but it is a kind of a it's violet, a bright, a very a violet, color. very uh -huh. pretty. And it gets to be about three feet tall, the flower stalk. So it's a 
It's a big astilly. And? They're nice for the back of the border. When you plant them with, uh, you can plant them with daisies. You can plant them with delphiniums and foxgloves. You can plant them by themselves. You can plant them with any kind of lily. They, it's a, it makes a bouquet. So That's it right. Lasts they bloom longer. the same time the lilies do. That makes them go well together. And these are midsummer bloomers. So these will bloom in July and early August. And astilbies are an incredibly tough kind of thing. They're one of the things that you can grow in a container above ground will come back every year. And they take the rain, which is, you know, everybody has to take their hat off to any flower that can take the rain. That's right. And they're fragrant as a cut flower. Yes, very fragrant. Uh, so they got, they got all the, the bases loaded, and they're up at bat. Perfect. Okay, but the PGA's on. We don't talk baseball. <laughs> we talk golf. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm at work. I'm not watching golf today. But I, I there is a technology available to record TV shows. It's always exciting. And, you know, the way they build golf courses and make fairways and have, have all those uh, traps, sand traps and all uh -huh. that. You know, the, the most fantastic golf scene I've ever seen was coming out of South Africa, where instead of having sand pits, they had wild grass that was like 10 feet high that had snakes and spiders and, and all kinds you, of things. You know there's a leopard if, in there. If the ball goes in there, nobody's going <laughs> yeah, after it. Right. I'll tell you what. That's right, golly. Send the mowers ahead of me. I don't want to see what's in there. Anyway, and this is lawn time. If you've been waiting to work on your lawn, it's finally warm enough the seed will germinate. If you want to overseed your weak lawn that suffered through the winter for such a long time. And so many lawns I've seen this year have those big gray dead patches in them. You don't have to tell me. I mean almost every I've lawn I've I've started naming mine. Here's yeah. Butch. There's John. Perfect. <laughs> Bear guys. 586-1800. Talk about your lawn. So I was talking to Stacy at Tyler Rental this week about all those fantastic new still tools. Well, we're certainly addicted to them. There's uh, no doubt about it. We, I want a mower. I want I want to try a mower because I have some lawns that are so wet that these heavy uh, Honda mowers we have are just too heavy for them. Okay. We've got a call coming. Good morning, Conversations. Good morning, David and Margaret. This is Beth Weldon. You were hey. talking about lawns. <laughs> I'm so Do glad. Do you have a lawn? Um, I have a dog. Ah, a dog pen. And he's and he's left some uh, dry burn spots. What should I put on those? Uh, if you have, if they're they're dry and burned out, you take a heavy raking first to get all that thatch off it, and then put some lime on it, a little bit of fertilizer and grass seed, and cover it up with peat moss. Okay, that's what I'll do. Just like Thank going back you. to bare earth. Or you can look at it and say, it looks just fine. <laughs> yes, and, and, and name them. <laughs> that's right. Because if you have a dog, the dog is going back out there. You know that's true. The dog's always going to go there. The other thing you can do, I mean, you still have to take out the the acidy burn spots, but uh, sometimes you can overseed them with just annual ryegrass, which germinates in only a week, uh, but it does die in the wintertime. It's a short-term fix. It's not a okay. long-term fix. 
that's what they do to golf courses in uh oh speaking of golf. the desert areas you know when the, the winter time comes they just throw annual ryegrass on it and it comes back green in a week and they wait till summertime comes around again pretty interesting okay perfect all right thank you too thanks thank Beth. you thanks Appreciate so much it. okay so uh the cherry blossoms are blooming right now. I know. I took pictures last night. And you put them on Facebook, didn't I you? I did. I don't do that You're very often. You're not a Facebook person. I'm not. I'm not a I'm not a computer person at all. No. You know. But you do take a nice photo. Yep. I've got it's called the eye. You do. You got the <laughs> eye for all kinds of stuff. So the accolade flowering cherries is one of the nicest flowering trees you can have in southeast Alaska. They're really pretty. And they're tough. They don't want to be planted in a wet spot, but other than that, uh, they do really well. And they're early bloomers. They're blooming now. Before mm-hmm. anything else blooms, these trees bloom, mm-hmm. and they're so pretty. Come drive by Landscape Alaska and take a peek. Cause, we have other trees, too, that are pretty. they're just stunningly beautiful right now. We have now. some pretty Japanese maples, and we have some really pretty uh, multi-trunked vine maple, which I think that's a hot number. You know? I think so, too. Because they think look the, very the, garden oriented right and the useful really really useful in southeast because there's they're so hardy for one thing but the form that multi-trunk form is so uh halfway between the garden and the wild yep aesthetically pleasing yeah we ought to contract to have more things done in multiple trunks you know probably our clients would like birch trees done that way i personally am not a birch tree person but a multiple trunked birch tree planting would be very pretty we had uh, multiple trunk uh, crab apple trees for a while until that grower moved out of t- out of oregon but they had the uh red leaf red flowered prairie fire one Mm-hmm. As a multiple trunk tree. Well, that speaking was a of nice crab move. apples, those crab apples we have right now are absolutely gorgeous. Those red leaved crab apples. Yep. They're stunning how beautiful they are. And That's full. That's true. A crab, <coughs> crab apple's a nice tree for here. And as the, uh, the modern varieties come into the market, they're bred to not get those leaf diseases. And so the older crab apples, which do get leaf diseases and the leaves fall off them, well, you know, look at the environment. Passe. If there's any place to get diseases, it's here. Absolutely. You know, it's raining. So less. I'm just thrilled with the uh, the new disease-resistant ones. You know, We don't see a bit of disease on the leaves. Right. They're so pretty. And the flowers are so brilliant and, and, and so abundant. It's amazing how many flowers there can be. Just like, like every quarter inch, there's another blossom. <coughs> Excuse me. The thing is... When you plant trees, you're planting for the future. That's what I love about trees. It's not about today. It's about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and, and next, the next year generation. and next 10 years, next 20 years. And Memorial Day is coming up. And if you want to think about planting something for Memorial Day, I would say think of a tree. Doesn't well, that's to- the standard thing, isn't it? That people plant as a memorial. Well, Arbor Day starts out the month but really and truly, Memorial Day at the end of May, that's the tree planting time. Everything's warm enough. Everybody's sentimental enough. It works. Among the new kinds of trees and we're the trying trees look this pretty. year is the, the tupelo. Yeah, I'm real excited about that. 
Now, it comes from the southeast, right? From the American southeast. Of kinda course, that name sounds like that, doesn't it? Kind of s- where Georgia. it's sweaty and wet. Uh-huh, sweaty and wet. But it's a high-altitude <laughs> one, too, so it's sweaty and cold and wet. Oh, good. Does it come from the Smoky Mountains or something All like that? All over in the American South. But it is a wetland kind of tree, so I think it's going to be really just fine here. here. And the fall color on that is an absolute stunner. Well, let's plant one. Okay. I'm so sorry that I didn't plant the things I held for myself last year, and then the greenhouse collapsed on them, and they all lost their heads. I'm still going to plant them. They're just not going to be quite as pretty as they were. But you'll fix them for me. I'll fix them. That's right. You'll give give them new tops. Uh If anybody's interested, I have a demonstration tree in the nursery. If you did lose the top out of your tree, I've got one that's in process. Uh, It was a beautiful Japanese maple and when the greenhouse collapsed, it got broken halfway down. So I'm rebuilding the crown top on it. And I'd be glad to show you how to do it. And we have one in our garden that needs to be rebuilt. One of the Japanese maples, one of those red ones behind the Canaan fir needs to have its top rebuilt. Just oh, so you know. Okay, I'll look at that. So uh, I have some really interesting things in the nursery this year. Yes, you do. It's it's really a botanic extravaganza. And one of the most interesting ones are these kinds of mugo pines. And I just love them. The m- most mugo pines are grown by seed. And so just like our kids aren't us, you know, they're all widely variable. Some are big, some are short, some are dark. You think about the mugo pine and people are trying to, to keep them cut back all the time and keep them in shape and keep them in size. But really, the ideal thing is to plant a dwarf one that'll only grow to be as big as you want it. Look at that pine. We we have had that, that other pine. That other pine, we've had that pine 40 years that's in that pot. Uh-huh. Now, that's not a dwarf one, but it certainly has been well-maintained, and it looks so pretty. It's not just that we've had that one for 40 years, but the one that's in the ground back by the fence is also from the same field the same year, and it's 12 feet across and... 10 feet tall. It laid down completely this winter. It did, didn't it? And it came back. It's amazing. Bob and Frankie Duncan. Yep. Yep, there you go. Hey, Duncans, if you can hear us, thanks for the pines. Okay, so uh, still be roots in. Oh, nematodes. Another load of nematodes came in yesterday. So if you have those kind of things attacking your rhododendrons that we all hate, the one that takes it looks the big like the bites. bugs. The bugs really like the winter because they're just coming on. Boy, so fierce, isn't it? So, uh huh. I have had more calls about the rhododendrons and their insects this year than we've had in years and years and years. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because you have an answer to it. Here we go. Well, maybe so. Good morning, conversations. Good morning. I like to know the pine tree that gives us the pine nut. Do they grow here? And Juno, well, I, they, they grow in Italy. Yeah, I don't they grow think, up in the Alps, and right? they grow in the uh, American Southwest, high in the mountains too. But oh, uh, right. they're not—they're not hardy enough for us here, I don't think. I see. Okay. Too bad. I, We'd love to get them, though, wouldn't we? Yeah, I would love that. But okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll all have to go to Italy, huh? Yeah, I've been to Italy. It's beautiful. Oh, yes. And they have wonderful gardens there. Yes. Boy, I bet they do. Sounds mm. delightful. Okay, thank you so much for calling. Talk to okay. you soon. Bye-bye.
Okay, so you're do, doing some uh, landscape design work now, right? Do you want to talk about the the low maintenance landscape design that you were organized with? Well, the, we've spoken of this before. It it really has to do. A lot of people think that using landscape fabric is the answer to having a low maintenance design, but really, plants in general don't thrive under it. They stay in a constant state, but they never get any bigger. <laughs> yeah, I've certainly seen that. They just don't thrive. And uh, so many of the plants that do grow well here are surface feeders. So when you put a landscape fabric over that, it cuts down on the amount of water and nutrition and everything else that is available to the plant because it gets bound up in the fabric. And, and it makes it hard for that plant to spread any. Right. So... So my thing is plant your plants really so they cover the ground. You know, if you want to plan that in five years your garden will be established, you use plants that don't get any more than four feet tall. I'm not talking about trees. Right. I'm talking about shrubbery, a combination of deciduous that changes color in the fall and drops its leaves, and evergreens so that you have contrast uh, and different flower times. And uh, and then, of course, ground covers that are hardy and not invasive, but really tough. And uh, plant them close enough together that in five years your ground is covered, then you're not going to get very many weeds. Because really, the weeds go for the sunlight. And once they're in the shade, you know, they get shaded out. That's really true. I mean, you have to maintain it that way. They're not going to die because it's growing underneath a shrub. But if you don't let them get established, and that's where the maintenance comes in. But after five years, it's only around the edges are you going to have to worry about it. You go up to Eagle Crest, and when there's snow on the ground, you know, you don't see any weeds. And then you go to pick berries in August up there on those hills that you ski down. The only place you see weeds is along the edge of the gravel parking lot. You don't see weeds growing up in the blueberries. Because no, there's, so, there's no bare, there's, no bare space. There's no bare s soil. Mm -hmm. So that's why we call it the Eagle Crest method. And it really works. And using your plants to form a tapestry doesn't mean that every that there's no repetition, but there is variation in the weave of your plants. So that's always interesting. There you go. That's, that's the, uh, the main essence of the low-maintenance landscape is to cover the ground have it be dense enough to shade out the weeds, have it be short enough that you don't have to keep cutting things back and plant them dense enough so that it's gonna cover the ground in five years. Now, yeah, now this is for people who wanna have a garden bed. Right. Right. Landscape fabric is a wonderful material. I'm not saying I don't use landscape fabric, but I don't use it in my garden beds. I use it for walkways. I use it for erosion control. When you have a steep slope and it's it's threatening to uh, slide away. It helps interrupt the power of the raindrop. So your disturbed soil has a chance to settle down before it slides down the hillside. So there's a lot of applications for it. Uh, so I'm not sliding the landscape fabric. I just don't use it in garden beds. I understand. We have experimented many different techniques over the years, finding different applications for almost everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Everything? Yes, almost everything. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll be open at Landscape Alaska today. And uh, I'll be out repairing a lawn. That's true. Repairing a lawn and mowing a lawn. 
with your uh, healthy and happy landscape crew people. So I'm, glad. I to don't see have it. a full crew until June, but these guys are great. Yeah, I'm. I'm I can't so do it by impressed. myself. I have right. to have help because there's so much equipment and all that stuff. So one of the jobs that we're doing today is uh, repairing a place where uh, the the lawn itself was really disturbed, and it's all. All kind of mountainous and and uh, driven over in the, when it was soft and it's got ruts and valleys and hills and huge yes. So we're taking plywood, lay it down on top in a compactor, and going to compact down the earth to so it's less undulating, and then uh, we have a hand tamper for anything that we can do by hand directly on the soil, and then we have sand to fill in any of the low spots that the soil got too disturbed from and then i'll reseed it reseed it and cover it up i'm going to cover it up with landscape fabric mm -hmm. this is one thing i do the woven landscape fabric lets water through but it doesn't interrupt as much of the r the raindrops don't disturb the seed and it keeps it warm and uh and i like to use it because it makes the ground warmer the seed germinates faster and it helps keep the seed in place but you have to make sure that uh it doesn't get disturbed that's right and once the grass starts coming up you can peel the black fabric off and and let the uh sunlight reach the grass blades and they get yeah get going but as keeping as the earth warm while the grass is coming and up it and keeps keeping it moist, moist yeah. yeah that's a really good effect for it so that'll be a very exciting effect and we'll be thrilled to be completed with that project so uh, if you come by today, uh, we'll be thrilled to see you. We have the nursery is just stuffed, and I know that everybody's out looking at gardening and uh, driving around town and looking at other people's landscapes too. If you see things, you want to know what they are. This is one of the great things about coming to Landscape Alaska is that you can take a picture of it and say, just tell me what that thing is. And either Margaret or I are probably going to be able to identify most things we see. So, uh, it's uh, fertilizing in the springtime. It's time to fertilize your rhododendrons. You look but out there at the it's plants. It's been so hot. Be sure to water first. Water Absolutely. one day. It's going to rain on Monday. You know, Water it today. Fertilize it tomorrow. And then let the rain wash it in on Monday. Mm -hmm. And those, those rhododendrons that are... You because know, the ground's dry. Chest high and five feet across. They have shaded the ground. They have sheltered the ground from the rainfall with their big overlapping leaves. It is dry underneath Really dry. I mean, I'm surprised. After all the snow we've had and all the thawing we went through and all the rain we've had last year, the ground is just ding-dong dry. Yep. doesn't take much of a digging. It's moist for the top two inches, but below that, it's, it's dry in many cases. Not always, you know, you could have those underground springs, but in many of the places where people's gardens are, it's been uh, well protected and well drained, and it's, you got to make sure the ground is moist when you put the fertilizer on. Right. And re remember that when you fertilize rhododendron, uh, for most plants, you only fertilize it out at the very edge of the leaves. But rhododendrons have feeder roots that grow everywhere. So you had to rake the mulch around and rake it back so you can see dirt and put fertilizer from about two feet out from the trunk all the way out to the outer edge. I was at a garden last week where somebody had gone through and put fertilizer down and they put it right on the trunk of all the shrubs. I had to get my rake out 
rake it back, and then I fertilized out at the drip line because they were mostly rhododendrons. There was a rose, there was a lilac, and I thought, now why would a person do this? And well, I, that, they just don't know. That's how, that's the only thing you could think. But they just don't know. Really they're, a, they're doing a, what they can to do the best they can. Right. But if it's if you put the, the fertilizer right up by the trunks, there's a real good chance it's going to burn them. Yeah. So among the other things, the other fanciest things we have this year are those berry-bearing plants. We have new kinds of raspberries coming out of the uh, various laboratories from the breeding programs at the universities. How many raspberries kinds do we have? We, there's a lot there's down in There's four Montana. kinds of raspberries we have. And do you and have them the, all up at the nursery? Yes, I have some of each kind at the nursery. And the big thing that's happening in raspberry breeding these days is you know how in, um, in most raspberries, the cane that grows this year won't have fruit. It won't have fruit until it goes dormant and comes next year. Well, the newer raspberries that they're breeding now, that cane that starts this year will have a crop of berries on it. Before the summer's over, you'll get a crop of berries on the new shoots. And then the next year, you get an even bigger crop of berries. So rather than you only getting one shot, you get two shots out of it. You I can't think that's beat very the, exciting. You can't. That's true, but you can't beat how wonderful the local berries are. The They're local, tasty, aren't they? The local raspberries are great, but it's good to have some others because you can't always get local. So and also because the, you stretch the season out for a much longer time, mm-hmm. much much longer time. And underneath the raspberries, planting lingonberries down there makes a real good choice. You know, the lingonberries look lovely next to it because they're so evergreen and shiny. And it seems like they're always in bloom. But the produce from the lingonberry is just delicious, too. Absolutely. And having raspberries... It's one of my very favorite ground covers. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can certainly see why. It It has three kind of things going for it really well. Good morning, Conversations. Hey there. How are you, David? Rocking right. out. All right. Hey, uh, my glow plants are just starting to bud. Should I fertilize now or wait? How big are they? How long have they been in the ground? Oh, they've been in the ground for years. They then, come back every year. Then go right ahead. Water no them first. Make, that's right. Like Margaret says, make sure the water ground's to, moist around them. Water them today and fertilize them tomorrow. If they were new in the ground, you might be a little bit more more tentative. But with those big old established plants, they are tough, tough, tough. They are tough, tough, tough. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, you know, I'd always be glad when you're dividing them. I'd always be glad to trade you something for them. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I. Well, and when you come... He's an old horse trader, you know that. I'll show you this Shasta daisy that gets as tall as my chest with flowers <laughs> as big as my open hands. They're cool. My mother planted those globe plants, oh, it must be 20 years, easy. Is isn't that, that all? Gra- isn't that great? <laughs> you know, I, I was talking to people this week, and there's not a single person looking at their yard who doesn't have a story about every one of those plants. Everything Excellent. that you have in your yard has both a name and a history and an association. And when you look at them, it all comes tumbling back, doesn't it? Correct. Thanks for the call. I, I really look forward day. to seeing you. Bye-bye. You too. A wonderful weekend. Okay, well, we're pretty close to the end of our show this morning. Jack, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for being the board man here. Uh, Margaret and I are going on to our, our occupations for the day. We're going to visit a couple yards, do a couple yards, and I'll be in the nursery with, our, our, sun with hats. our young associates. Oh, yes, yeah, sun hats. Better have them today and bring a bottle of water. 
One more call before we go. Conversations. Hello. Hello. Hi, uh, who am I speaking to? You called, sir. This is this is the uh, KIMY gardening program. Okay, I was just making sure because you didn't identify yourself at first, but uh, I was just making sure I got the right number. Um, hey, uh, do you know? Uh, do you um, know anything about marijuana plants? I would. I've been waiting for this call all year. Thanks for the call. Talk to you again next year. Bye bye. This is Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. And we'll see you next week. And until then, happy gardening.